Welcome to Liquid Church Media. The message you're about to enjoy was originally delivered live at Liquid Church by Pastor Tim Lucas. For more content, log on to liquidchurch.com or visit one of our campuses in the New Jersey metro area. Liquidchurch.com, where truth is relevant and grace wins. Tattered, torn, scattered, scorned, thrusted into chaos the day I was born. Just a misfit, destined to be a statistic, shattered, but what does it matter? They want me to be in sync with the pattern of a victim, perpetually positioned in a self-envisioned prison, frozen, imprisoned by our past. We don't ever get the present tense. It's evident we are ships with no sail to catch the wind. And we heard about God, but don't think he could let us in. Because our whole life, the world shut us out. And love is foreign towards us. We don't understand, so we doubt. But God changes everything. The pain, it settles, and we don't remain as the abused, adolescent, or confused with depression and used as a weapon of self-destruction. His grace conducts a better scene because God changes everything. Hurt to healing, shame to salvation, They said victory is something we would never see, but God changes everything. All right, happy spring, everybody. Can we hear it for warm weather? Amen. Thank you, Lord. Glad you're here. I'm Pastor Tim. Welcome to Liquid Church for our series, But God Changes Everything, in which we're talking about um, really these uh, breakthrough moments in your life where life seems like it's headed in one direction, but God breaks through and gives you this fresh start or new hope. Maybe you're struggling through a trying time, but God is going to give you strength to make it through a test, or you're facing an obstacle, but God helps you overcome that challenge. Maybe you're even facing a situation right now in your life or your family that seems headed for, you know, certain defeat, but God gives you victory really in a miraculous way you didn't expect, but God. As I told you on Easter, those two tiny words appear over three dozen times throughout the Bible. And this church is full of people with these kind of but God stories, ordinary people whose faith in extraordinary God experience really everyday miracles. Well, today I want to give you a message that applies to everybody in this room that I'm calling, But God Overcomes Temptation. Now, does anybody here struggle with temptation? Just a show of hands. Okay, no, just you, Pastor Tim. Okay, that's fine. That's cool. That's fine. I'll, I'll, I'll take the first hit. I'll start with a confession. Uh, this is kind of funny. You may have heard of the four pastors who went away on a weekend retreat. So they stayed in a cabin, you know, in the woods. And one evening, the four pastors said, hey, let's share our biggest temptation with each other. And the first pastor said, well, it's kind of embarrassing, but you know, my temptation is, you know, dirty magazines. In fact, last week I, I, I bought a copy of the Sports Illustrated Swimsuit Edition. And the second pastor said, oh, that's nothing. My temptation is worse. It's gambling. Uh, last Saturday, instead of working on my sermon, I played online poker. And I lost a ton of money. And then the third pastor said, dude, mine is even worse than that. I can't control my, my urge to drink. In fact, last Sunday, and he hung his head after church, I broke into the communion wine. And I guzzled every last drop. And the fourth pastor was just very quiet and looked at his shoes. He 
said, brothers, I hate to say this, but my temptation is worst of all. I love to gossip. <laughs> and if you guys will excuse me, I have a few phone calls I need to make. So, You know, we all have temptations, right? But even pastors, but God overcomes temptation, amen? Let's do this. Let's open up our Bibles and see what God's Word can teach us about the subject we all face. You can turn to 1 Corinthians chapter 10. This is a letter written by the Apostle Paul to Christians in the Greek city of Corinth. And if you're struggling today in some area, this is going to be like a vitamin C shot for your soul. I want to encourage you. This is not to make you feel guilty. We all struggle. We all have temptations and weaknesses, including yours truly. But we want to encourage you today because this is a, a church, a perfect church for imperfect people. And if you're just finding your way back to Christ, man, you're coming a great time this spring. It's new beginnings. And I want to encourage you because God wants to give you supernatural strength in areas of human weakness that we all have. So let's see what 1 Corinthians 10 teaches us here about temptation. Here's what the Apostle Paul writes to that church. He says this, no temptation has overtaken you except what is, let's say this word together, common to mankind. Now here's the but, ready? But God is faithful. He will not let you be tempted beyond what you can bear. But when you are tempted, he will also provide a way out so that you can endure it. If you're taking notes today, we have some fill in the blanks uh, for you. And the first thing God's word tells us is that temptation is common to everybody. Paul's addressing the whole church, and he says, you know, no temptation has seized you except what's common to mankind is the word here he uses, and it's a very broad term. It means everybody. Doesn't mean your, you know, your age, your sex, your education. He's like, every man, every woman, every teenager, every child, college age, temptation's common to everybody, but God is faithful. This is a fact of life. It's a normal part of human existence. Everybody, in fact, in this room has a weakness, okay? I've told you about, we're talking about like, you know, but I, but, but I have a weakness. Here, I'll tell you my weakness. For me, this time of year, spring, I always know it's the start of spring. Some of you already know, I'm hiding it. Uh, so the start of spring for me is never marked by like warm weather or, you know, now I can wear shorts or flip-flops. For me, I know spring has officially sprung when Girl Scout cookies are, arrive on my doorstep, okay? Um, just a few days ago, my Girl Scout cookies were delivered. And for me, this is, this is my kryptonite, okay? I just want to show these to you. These are Samoas. You know what Samoas are? Samoas are the perfect blend of chocolate, caramel, and coconut. They are sticky. They are sweet. They are gooey. It would take me about 15 minutes to demolish this box. This is the early service, and I'm not afraid to have one at 9 in the morning. I don't mind. Who would like to try one? Would somebody like to? Phil, you want to try a Samoa? You're like, no, get behind me, Satan. That's okay. <laughs> Who wants one? Who wants one? Right over here. Come on. Cat, make sure you catch that. I can't. Oh, wow. And it, back there? Don, let's see. Let's see. Get good hands. Watch out. I'm so sorry, ma'am. I'm so sorry. Here you go. Here you go, sweetheart. There you go. Watch it. Oh, I did. I just hit some. Oh, my gosh. This is going downhill. This whole side is going to be sugared up. This is going to be amazing. We're like, amen, amen. Okay. These are my, these are my, and it, I should mention, do you have any allergies? Because gluten, peanut, motor oil, they stick it all in here. Everything you're trying to avoid is in here. And so on, uh, on Tuesday, the doorbell rings, ding dong, and I open the door, and standing before me are these three little crack dealers, I mean Girl Scouts, and they're like, here are your Samoas, Mr. Lucas. And, you know, I'm like, thank you. You know, I look both ways, and I stick them up high on a cabinet where the kids won't find them, you know. And, and Colleen's like, why are you hiding them? And I'm like, because my dad used to hide them. In fact, I remember this is one of my dad's favorite cookies. 
And what he would do is he would take a whole stack of them, wrap them in a paper towel, if you can imagine, and then put them at the very back of the freezer so no one finds, because he liked to eat them cold. So understand, this is generational sin for me, okay, for our family. You know that slogan, you know, bet you can't eat just one. For me, it's like, bet you can't just eat one box, you know. It's embarrassing. Now, I realize this is a silly example, but we all have our weaknesses, don't we? I mean, what are, what are your Samoas, right? Maybe, maybe it's some other food. Maybe food is, is your issue, overeating in general, you know, you kind of comfort food. There's a reason we call it that. For others, it's alcohol, you know, the, the glass of wine to unwind at work, the cocktail that loosens you up, or, or, or the second or the third beer. Um, the most popular addiction to try to kick uh, in springtime is smoking. Uh, some of you know how hard it is. You try to give up smoking for Lent. Maybe you've been a smoker a while. The term smoker actually really isn't that accurate because, you know, the cigarette smokes. You're the sucker, right, <laughs> the reality. But temptations kind of common to all of us, right? Could be a lustful temptation. Could be like, you know, sex or pornography or maybe a socially acceptable one like shopping for sport, you know? How can you pass up a new set of shoes, you know? Those wedge heels are on sale, girlfriend. Be a sin not to buy them, you know? Now, you look at our list, and you're like, oh, these are the usual suspects. But what caught my attention, actually, last month is a recent survey they did of Americans asking what their top temptations were. And according to this study, Americans said they most struggled with, watch this, with worry or being anxious. 60% of Americans said their number one temptation is anxiety. They just always give in to kind of this chronic worry in their life. Laziness was second. Procrastination, putting things off, 60%. Uh, spending too much time on social media, about 44% said they really struggle. They have to look at their screen. It's like a digital pacifier. You know, some of you are doing that now. Thank you. Uh, gossiping, about 26% gossip about others, you know, water cooler talk. And then being jealous or envious of others uh, made the list as well. And that was fascinating to me because when you hear of temptation, you typically think about these external actions but this survey cited all these internal attitudes that people struggle with. Anxiety, procrastination, numbing out, gossiping, jealousy. And the reality is, right, I mean, as humans, we just have to acknowledge we're all on this list somewhere, right? I mean, the Bible says no temptation has overtaken you except what is common to mankind. You can put that up there, Nick. The word common there really jumps out to mankind. And the question is, hey, if you struggle with a behavior you know is destructive, or that's keeping you from the life that God has for you, your best, your, the freedom that God has for you. How do you overcome something like that, especially when it's a chronic thing, you know? And the answer is this, ready? You can't. <laughs> you can't. It's more, but who can? Let's read our verse together. Here we go. It's called, but God. But God is faithful. And God will not let you be tempted beyond what you can bear. And he says this, but when you are tempted, when you're tempted, God will also provide a way out so that you can endure it. Notice the Bible doesn't say, if you are tempted. It says, but when you are tempted. So it's not an if-then. It's a when-then situation from God's perspective. And this is where most people assume, like, oh, okay, well, now I know what the preacher's going to say. Here, and here it is. Ready? Now, guys, be a good Christian and avoid all these bad things. But I'm not going to tell you that. First off, because becoming a Christian is just the beginning of the battle. I mean, some of you, this is very exciting spring because um, God has done some amazing work in this church over the last few weeks. Um, we have had over 200 people decide to make Jesus Christ their Lord and Savior over the last few weeks. That's, amen, that's exciting work. 
we're kind of in this like salvation season at Liquid. What we're doing is we're lifting up Jesus. They're being drawn to the cross of, of Christ and saying, God sacrificed, he showed his love that much that he laid down his life for me. And now he fills me with the Holy Spirit. And, and 200 people said, you know, I'm having my sins forgiven. I can have the hope of heaven. But here's the deal. Having God forgive your sins is the starting point of the Christian journey. So many people who become Christians are very disappointed when they discover that they still struggle with all the same temptations they did before they gave their life to Christ. A lot of people sometimes assume that they're going to, you know, wake up overnight and magically all those things they struggled with are just going to magically disappear like God waves a wand, you know. And you know what? Sometimes God will do a miraculous work of deliverance. I've talked to people who are like, I gave my life to Christ and literally haven't had a drop of, of alcohol since. I've talked to people, that's true. But most often, majority of cases I have found, that dying to our sin and learning to live by the Spirit, the Holy Spirit, is a much longer process. If you were like a theologian, which is, theologian is just like a nerd, uh, they would call it, sanctification, the process by which a Christian becomes increasingly holy. We actually become more conformed to the character of Christ. We start looking like Jesus, loving like Jesus, walking like Jesus. Sanctification is a process. It's not an event. So those of you who are saved, salvation, understand it is instantaneous. It can happen in a second when you first believe. But sanctification takes a lifetime. So if you've just become a follower of Jesus Christ, I want to welcome you Welcome to the family of God, but understand this, the cross, the cross is the starting point. Your marching orders are not, now act like a good Christian. <laughs> In fact, I would encourage you to say, well, I give up. <laughs> because I can't possibly be like Jesus. I can't possibly work it, walk in victory. I still have all these struggles and lusts and all these kind of things. Because here's the secret of the Christian life. Victory begins with surrender. To actually walk in the Holy Spirit means you first have to wave a white flag and say, I can't control my flesh, and I'm not in charge anymore. In the wake of my human weakness, I need God to show his power. Because when you admit, I'm not strong enough in my flesh to resist, but God gives us this new power called the Holy Spirit. Um, I have all these anxious thoughts, but God gives a peace that passes understanding. I have all these, you know, dark desires, but God transforms your mind and helps you take every thought captive to Christ and gives you new ones. I can't conquer my addiction, but God breaks chains. He says, I will set the captives free, but God, but God, but God. Those are the two words that now define your life. That's your new reality as a Christ follower. You are weak, but God is strong. Temptation, Paul says, is guaranteed. But God is faithful, and he will not let you be tempted beyond what you can bear. In fact, did you know this? Jesus himself was tempted by everything on this list. I mean, look at, look at this list. You're like, really? Yeah. The Bible says this. In Hebrews 4, it says this. For we do not have a high priest who's unable to empathize or identify with our weaknesses, but we have one who has been, let's say this together, tempted in every way just as we are, yet he did not sin. I mean, that's an incredible verse, isn't it? I want you to think about it. If you take God's word at face value, we have a high view of scripture at Liquid. We take this literally. Here's what it means. It means Jesus was literally tempted with every single thing on this list. Food, drunkenness, sex, 
worry, gossip, jealousy. You know, I, I look at this list. I'm not sure if Jesus wasted as much time on Facebook as some of you, but I think you get the point. If you've become a follower of Christ, you follow, you serve a God who knows what it is to be tempted, to struggle, to actually experience human frailty. See, Jesus was divine strength wrapped in human weakness. The Bible says he was tempted in every single way that we are, and yet Jesus did not sin. Point number two, if you're taking notes, the Bible teaches that temptation itself is not a sin. Did you know that? Being tempted is not a sin. Jesus was tempted, it says, and yet he didn't sin. And then you're like, well, so then where does temptation come from? Great question. Again, whenever the Bible kind of raises a question, you turn to the Bible for the answer. And in the book of James, we discover the source. Where does temptation come from? James says this, when tempted, nobody should say, oh, God is tempting me. For God cannot be tempted by evil, nor does he tempt anyone. But each person is tempted when they are dragged away by their own evil desire. And what's the word? Say it together. Enticed. You know what enticed means? It it means something that's appealing, something that is alluring, something that is almost impossible to resist. Almost is the key word. See, temptation takes something that is destructive to our our soul or or our body, and it wraps it up in a a nice little, you know, purple box and rings the doorbell and says, here's your Samoas, Mr. Lucas, you know? It strikes us at our moment of weakness. It's almost like (gasps) impossible to resist. And if we take a bite of the bait, we're dragged away, the Bible says, by our desires. In a lot of ways, temptation is like getting hooked by a fishing lure. My son, Dell and I, we like to go fishing together, and he's pretty good. Here's a picture of us from last summer. This is kind of cool. Uh, we caught, he caught, I should say. We are on a lake in Sparta, and he caught this big mouth, big mouth bass, a five-pounder. I mean, it's incredible, right? You can see, I don't know who's ex- more excited, me or him, but he actually caught that. I've never caught anything like that, but he caught this thing. And uh, let me show you. We caught it on this hook, okay? Take a, take a can you see that? No, no, we didn't, okay? This is a shark hook, actually, okay? This is, this is a shark hook, people. This is 18 inches of high-grade carbide steel. But I wanted to show you a big hook so that you could visualize this up close in your head because temptation, the Bible says, is like getting hooked by a fishing lure. And if you've been fishing, you know this. Fish are actually not smart creatures, okay? To a big mouth bass... Life is all about getting the maximum gratification of appetite with the minimum expenditure of energy. To to a fish, life is all about see a worm, want a worm, chomp, eat a worm, okay? A big mouth bass is not very reflective. A, A girl bass never says like to a boy bass before spawning, I don't feel like you're as committed to our relationship as I am, you know? Do you love me for me or just for my fins, you know? Fish, fish don't do that. They're just this collection of appetites. A fish is a stomach, a mouth, and a pair of big eyes. And whenever we go fishing, I'm always just struck by how dumb the fish are. Now, because we put on it, we put on, you know, a plastic worm, and then we put this stuff called magic stuff called smelly jelly. But let me bait this with, with, with my favorite bait here. I just want to make sure I don't impale myself. But if I, but if I were a fish, ugh. This this is what it would be for me. I would be powerless, you know? You put something on the end. It's not very nutritious, but boy, that thing looks good. And I would be, it's not going to nourish you. And and you'd think like, man, I know whenever I demolish a box of Samoas, I feel crummy the next day. 
uh, and you think about the consequences, but it's so funny, right? You get overcome. It's like a fish. You know, the fish, they, they never notice. You'd think they'd notice their friends who bite, and then suddenly they fly off into space, and they never come back and say, why is that? They never do, right? Fish swim in a school, but they never learn. <laughs> Temptation is like getting hooked by a lure. It could be food. It could be sex. It could be alcohol. Nothing wrong in and of themselves enjoyed in the right context. These are actually gifts from God. But when we use them in a way to just feed our appetite or like numb our pain or to feel better, what happens? We get hooked. And this is the worst part. Because when a fish swallows that rubber worm, right, all of a sudden at some point it's it's like, oh, this is not nourishing. It tries to spit it out, but it can't. And it's very interesting because sin, at the end of the day, this kind of stuff actually robs us of pleasure. We think it's going to give us pleasure. But if you talk to somebody who's like addicted to food, they don't really enjoy it. Many times after kind of, you know, after binging or purging, they feel actually repulsed by food. It doesn't bring pleasure. If you talk to somebody who is addicted to sex, they actually don't really, they don't walk away saying, man, I feel happy. I feel fulfilled because they're seeking intimacy but, you know, porn or multiple partners, that makes them feel emptier than ever. Each hookup makes you feel less alive than before. See, these things promise that they're going to feed our soul, but in reality, it kills it. This is how temptation works. Look what James says. Each person is tempted when they're dragged away by their own evil desire and enticed. Hear the Samoas. Then after desire has conceived, it gives birth to sin and then sin, when it's full grown, gives birth to what? To, to death. So the hook gets set, you take the bait, and boom, it literally sucks the life out of us. You know, I've never met anybody who's like wasted three hours, you know, watching YouTube who says, man, I feel refreshed. <laughs> Woo! That was energizing, you know? Nobody, you know, watches porn and says, man, that was so satisfying. No one piles on debt at the mall and says, man, I feel closer to Christ. Right? That's what sin does. It destroys our key relationships, our health, our marriage, our peace of mind, and it separates us from God. It gives us this sense of distance. Now, God doesn't move, but we move. You know, maybe you go, maybe you know what the, I don't know what the hook is for you. Maybe you go to your computer every night, and when you tell your spouse, you know, I'm just, I'm going to be just a little bit of work, you know, you're clicking on, on all this stuff that has your number. You know, you're like, man. I know I'm poisoning my mind. I know I'm breaking my relationship with every image I click on. But I, but I want to stop, but you're hooked. Or maybe, you know, you're struggling to find, find, oh, 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 no, 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 no. Oh, no, 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 no. Oh, no, 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 no. These are, these are, these are for, these are for communion later. These are not going to. I think you got the idea. <laughs> you know, maybe comfort food. You know, it's funny, right? We talk about comfort food, but maybe you hit the pantry or the fridge every night, right? After everyone else goes to bed, right? You open, you know, it's the dark in the kitchen. and You open it up and the light comes out. And you're hoping, like, I hope no one wakes up or notices. Because you look in and it's like all your friends are there. There's Ben and Jerry, you know, and, and, and Mr. DiGiorno, you know, and Captain Crunch. You're not even hungry, right? It's a habit. You're hooked. Remember, temptation isn't a sin. It's how we handle it. And God says, hey, this is actually a matter of life and death. Now, if this were like the end of the story, right, it'd be depressing. Because you're like, man, I got weaknesses too. But God is the secret weapon in the life of a believer. You are not a big mouth bass, thank God, okay? All of us are tempted, but God offers a way out. In fact, some of us 
are addicted, but God can set us free. Don't believe me? Just ask my friend Rachel, who first came to Liquid six months ago. And Rachel was struggling with a very sensitive issue when she walked into our series, Elephant in the Room. And God kind of opened Rachel's eyes, and he did this incredible work of freedom that shows how the power of the Holy Spirit can overcome any addiction. This is Rachel's But God story. The first time I came to Liquid, it was actually the start of the, the Elephant in the Room series. It was the first time I ever been here, and I was really taken aback by the fact that that was the series for my first experience here at Liquid. I've been struggling with pornography for a while, and I knew that that series, The Elephant in the Room, really was speaking directly to me, and it was God's way of letting me know that this is where I was supposed to be. I felt really guilty that I constantly viewed porn and I felt shame and embarrassed and dirty. My relationship with porn was directly also related to being raped as a child. I never really thought I was going to get over it. I thought this was something I was going to have to deal with for the rest of my life. When I first started going to the freedom groups, I was really apprehensive. I used humor as my shield and just kind of observed from a distance. Throughout the Freedom Group, we learned a lot about uncovering the iceberg and like what's really underneath the surface. When I went to porn, I had control, and um, that was when I really found myself seeing that my life was spiraling and I was not feeling so great about it. My heart started to change as I started week after week with the Freedom Group and reading our workbooks and praying with the Lord and just asking him to make me free from this because I didn't want to be bound by it anymore. My life has been completely transformed in the past six months. I went from being addicted to porn to realizing that God gave his only son for me and that my sin isn't what I need to focus on. It's his forgiveness and his grace and his mercy and his love, which is just overwhelming. You know, since coming to Liquid, Rach yeah, here for Rachel, praise God, that's an incredible story. Man, what courage, right? Now, since coming to Liquid, Rachel's been walking the path of sexual sobriety for six months. In fact, she is one of 42 people, both men and women, who are graduating from freedom groups this spring. Can we hear it for every person who is walking in freedom? I just want to tell you, I'm so proud of you, Rachel. I'm so proud of you. I'm so proud of you, men and women who graduated our freedom groups, first for your honesty, right? I mean, that's pretty incredible. For your willingness to actually expose your weakness to this church family, because in your weakness, we get to see what? God's strength. See, the Bible tells us it's for freedom that Christ has set you free. And obviously, this is a sensitive issue. In fact, I remember, you know, we, we asked Rachel, we said, you know, are you sure you're comfortable sharing this with everybody? You know what she said? I love this. She said, you know what? if it helps one person, if it gives hope and helps one person, it will be totally worth it. See, guys, all of us are tempted. Some of us are hooked. But God offers a way out. So no matter what you're struggling with in your flesh, you may feel defeated. Freedom may seem impossible, but with God, all things are possible. Amen? How does God do this? I mean, in a practical way, how do you overcome temptation in daily life? 
Again, go back to our, 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 our top, you know, 10 list of temptations. What are your Samoas? You know, where are you on this list? Because it's probably somewhere on here. Maybe it is something external, right? You know, you know, food, smoking, pot, sex, whatever. Or maybe it's something just internal. Procrastination, chronic worry or jealousy. Temptation is natural, but overcoming temptation is supernatural. It requires the supernatural work of the Holy Spirit in your life. You must understand this. Christianity is not a self-improvement plan. It's not like, please now clean up your life after all God has done for you. It's not like, would you try a little bit harder, please? Stop, you know, acting out like that. Nobody wakes up one day after experiencing sexual abuse and being hooked on porn for a decade and says, you know, I think today I'm going to magically stop. They may wish that, but the hook is set too deep. And there's no way out without the power of the Holy Spirit. And this really is the first thing you need to know to overcome temptation in daily life. If you're taking notes, it's this. The first thing is just willpower won't work if you're filling in the blanks. This is not about try to be a better Christian. In fact, you know that, remember, just say no, that whole, you know, just say no. Just say no is a failed strategy. It's not enough to just say no. You have to say yes to the Holy Spirit. Jesus said the, the Spirit is willing, but what? The flesh is weak. So, so you can't just say, oh, oh, here come the Samoas. No thanks, you know, go away, you know, Girl Scouts, get behind me, Satan. You'd still be hungry because behind every one of these things is a hunger. There's an appetite here. I mean, can I ask you, I mean, what, we say, you know, Jesus was, went in the desert. He fasted for 40 days and the tempter came to me and said, turn these stones to bread. And, uh, and it just says Jesus was hungry. Behind every appetite is a hunger. Can I ask what you are hunger for, hungry for? Because most often on this list of temptations, or something deeper at the level of your soul. You know, it may not be sex. You may say, you know, I'm just hungry for relationships. I hunger for connection. I feel empty. I hunger for people in my life because I'm lonely most times. Or you may say, you know what, I'm hungry for work. It's been so long since I've worked and I just want a job. Or my world is chaotic. I hunger for control. Wasn't that how interesting how Rachel connected that to a past wound? She had a wound as a child. Her life seemed very out of control. And that wound got infected. And the enemy got his hooks in her. And she, she really said, you know, I realize I need, I need, I, I, my life's out of control. I have to say, God, you have to take the wheel. Where do you turn to satisfy that deeper soul hunger? See, you, you need to feed that craving of your soul with what? matters most when it really feed it. And that is the unconditional grace of God, meaning all of your sins are not only previously forgiven, they are forgiven and they will be forgiven, so the pressure is off. And then you need to live by the power of the Holy Spirit. See, willpower is not enough. Look what Paul writes in Galatians 5. He says this. He says, I say walk by what? The Spirit, and you will not gratify the desires of the flesh. You can't just say, no, Samoas. You have to say, yes, Holy Spirit. Victory begins by waving a white flag of surrender. And this is so counterintuitive. Most people think the Christian life is, oh, you know, clean up your act, be a better Christian. But I'm telling you, you have to actually say, no, I can't do this. There's no way. (laughs) I've got to wave the white flag of surrender, admit my weakness and my brokenness, and surrender myself fully to the Holy Spirit. Spirit, because that's how freedom comes. In fact, when you, when you be, first become a Christian, think of it this way. God the Father conceived you in love. Jesus the Son forgives your sin. But then the Holy Spirit gives you the power to begin taking the first steps on the journey to freedom. That's the promise of God. 
How do you defeat the enemy, your flesh, the devil in daily life? You've been given a very powerful weapon. It is what you hold in your hands. The word of God is called the sword of the spirit. And that's the second thing you need to know. The word of God is your weapon. When Jesus was tempted in the desert, what's the first thing that Satan actually tempts him with? <laughs> it is funny. It's actually food. He, t- he doesn't tempt him with Samoas, but he hits him in a weak spot because Jesus is hungry after 40 days. And he says, hey, if you're God's son, tell these stones to become bread. Now, that's not a bad thing. Jesus was hungry. He had a physical appetite. But what does Jesus say? He says, man shall not live on bread alone, but on what? Every word that comes from what? The mouth of God. So he actually quotes from Deuteronomy. He actually defeats the enemy with God's word. See, Jesus fed daily on God's word. Again, we have these physical, emotional, spiritual appetites, and your soul wants sustenance somewhere. But when the moment of temptation comes knocking, what's inside will come out. And the question is, are you actually feeding regularly on the word of God? See, that's where Jesus drew his strength from. From Jesus meditated on scripture, Jesus memorized scripture, Jesus was able to quote scripture in a moment of temptation. In fact, three times, as I was looking at this week, the tempter comes, and you know how Jesus responds? Always with three words. It is written, it is written, it is written. Sometimes the most powerful thing you can do when you're tempted is to rebuke the devil with God's word. Scripture is a very powerful weapon. It is called the sword of the spirit. It's about offense, okay? It actually makes the devil flee. I've done this late at night sometimes. You know, I've told you, like, when I'm watching ESPN and then, like, you know, something raunchy comes on, whatever, in that split second is a choice. Do I linger in a place of temptation where I rationalize, well, one little peek won't hurt because then the hook gets set. But I've told you, you know, I turned the TV off. I've canceled that part of the cable. Uh, And I will actually, I will sometimes say out loud, I'd be like, you know, nice try. I'm like, nope, whatever is pure, whatever is righteous, whatever is lovely. I will think on these things because I'm serving the Lord and greater is he who's in me than he who is in the world. I will actually quote God's word and that temptation will subside. See, each of us has been given the sword of the spirit, the word of God. And here's the truth. It is not enough for you to hear it preached on Sunday. You have to feed on it Monday through Friday. The reason some of you are so hungry for things is because you're spiritually starving. Today, you are going to feel inspired, but you are not equipped. You need to read it. You need to meditate on it. You need to memorize it. That is one of my passions for this generation because the art of scripture memory is like completely lost. That is, that is a shame. It is a loss. I want to do a series on scripture memorization. If you want victory, you have to declare war on your sin. And God's word is your weapon. It's a sword of the spirit, and you have to fill that with, with am I preaching to anybody here? Am I? Okay, amen. All right, thank you. Good. You got to fight for freedom, okay? That is the secret to our freedom groups, by the way. It's not just accountability. They saturate themselves in scripture. And that's the final step, and that is to walk in freedom. Galatians 5, I printed this in your notes. It says, it's for freedom that Christ has set us free. So you actually have been set free from sin. You're no longer just a slave to your passions. You are free to follow Christ. It says, stand firm and don't let yourself be burdened by a yoke of slavery. In other words, whenever your appetites begin to control you, you become a slave. You become shackled. But the Bible says, on the cross, Jesus has overcome. He not only has paid for our sin, he takes the hook out. We actually can say no to our flesh. We can say yes to God. And we are then free to obey. This is not about legalism. This is about being free to obey God where the real freedom is. And free to call on Christ for help. Because when you are weak, 
Christ truly is strong. Look what, look what Hebrews says about Jesus. This is so important. It says, because Jesus suffered when he was tempted. He's able to do what? Say this together, church. Help those who are being tempted. I mean, right now, where is Jesus? Because we established right on Easter, he's not in the tomb. The, the, the coffin's empty. He's not in the grave. Where's Jesus right now? He's in heaven. And where is he in heaven? What is he doing? Do you know what the Bible says Jesus is doing? He's standing at the right hand of God the Father, interceding, praying for you. He is praying for you. He is saying, you can do this. If you will look to me and ask me to help you, I will provide a way out. That's what the Bible says. You'll always provide a way out. Who's the way out? I'm the way out. Jesus has canceled every single one of your sins, past, present, future, so the pressure's off. The Bible says there's no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. That's why Rachel can share her face on the screen. She's like, I'm not like just a recovering sex addict. I'm a new creation. We have judgment for nobody in this church. Because in Christ, you are now a son or daughter of the Most High God. That's what defines you. Not your addiction, not your habit. You are a place where the Holy Spirit of God lives and dwells. And in Christ, you have everything you need to stare down the enemy and triumph over temptation. As a spirit-filled believer, God has given you a new heart. It is filled with the resurrection power. And you actually have your big brother Jesus looking down and looking out for you. Because Christ was tempted in every way just as we are. He's sympathetic. He understands. He's not like, well, you, you, your sin just repulses me. He's like, there's no temptation that you are facing this week that I haven't faced down and that I didn't overcome by the power of the Holy Spirit. And I want to pour out the Holy Spirit in you too. How do you overcome Satan's sin and death? Where do we get the strength? Let's, let's just read Psalm 73 aloud. I love this verse. This is, if you want a verse to memorize this week, just, just look at this. Look what it says. My flesh and heart may fail, say it together, but God is the strength of my heart in my portion forever. God offers portion control. <laughs> See, two words can change every, anything. We're tempted, but God delivers from evil. We are bound, but God sets us free. We're hungry, but God says, I'm going to fill you and satisfy the deepest hunger of your soul, and that is for my love. That is for my closeness. That is for my power. I can give you portion control. So understand, you feed on God's word and you believe what God says that Christ alone can satisfy. When you have faith in Jesus and you have the power of the Holy Spirit dwelling in you, you actually can experience freedom. Amen? You can walk in victory. When you stumble and get tripped up again, you don't actually beat yourself up too much because you actually say Christ has covered this and you take the next step. No matter how deep your hunger is, no matter how deep the hook is in there, God can satisfy your hunger with something more than, <laughs> than Samoa's. He says, I'm going to give you myself. Myself. What I'm holding up here is actually a, a, a communion cup. We actually have these little self-contained communion cups. And, and I thought, like, what better way to end a message on temptation that began with Samoa's <laughs> than with real food, you know? Actually experiencing communion together. Because no matter what your temptation is, you know, this spring, what you've been feasting on, Jesus says, hey, I am the way out. I am the bread of life. Eat this bread. Drink this cup. It will cleanse your conscience. It will nourish your soul. And so I was like, you know what? Let's do this. Let's, let's have everyone come forward to receive communion. But then I was praying about this message, and God gave me, I, I think, a better, I, I think it was the Holy Spirit saying, you know what, Tim? You have no idea 
what temptations some of these people are going to face this week. And I don't. You know. God knows. Some of you are going to walk out this door, and that hook is going to be hanging right there waiting for you. Or tonight, when you open your laptop, or turn on the television, or maybe temptation is waiting for you at the mall, or maybe it's tomorrow at lunch where, where you gather for gossip with your coworkers or, or people at school. Here's the good news. You're not alone in that moment. Christ is in you. His spirit is with you. And I want you to take Christ with you today. These are communion cups. They're kind of like, um, I call them like K-cups, you know, Kerrig machines. Don't put this in your Kerrig machine, okay? But it's like a single serve, and here's what I want to do. I'm going to call our ushers forward right now, and they're going to pass out these K-cups, these communion cups, and I want you to take one, and I want you to take this with you this week. And I want you to set it in your place of greatest temptation. So maybe it's next to your computer at home. Maybe you're going to take one, and you're going to actually place it in the refrigerator because you're like, oh, that's it for me. (laughs) This is where I actually need to feed that deeper soul craving with Christ himself. Where is your place of temptation? We're not going to take communion together right now. I want you to take communion elements and carry this with you this week and put it somewhere where you know you'll be tempted. You're going to need Christ's strength. Again, I don't really care where that is. You can, you can, you know, put it in your purse or your backpack. Put it on your desk at work, in your bedroom. Keep it in the glove or the compartment of your car. But I want this to remind you that Christ is with you, and he is strong to help you in a moment of weakness. And when you feel that hunger start to rumble, I actually, instead of reaching for that hook, I want you to feed your soul. Here's how it works. You simply pull the the top thing off. You don't do that right now. I want you to take this with you. And you take the wafer. You see the wafer? Jesus said, this is my body broken for you. Do this in remembrance of me. And in that moment, I want you to feed on the body of Christ. Thank you, Lord. And then that moment of weakness, you say, this is the blood of the new covenant, the blood of Jesus shed for the forgiveness of my sins. I am now walking. I'm going to walk in freedom. Jesus Christ, come in now. I pray for the power of your Holy Spirit would fall upon every man and woman, God, and we would just begin walking, Father, taking first steps to victory. I thank you, God, for Rachel and for those 42 pioneers who are walking in a new life this spring. If anyone is in Christ, he or she is a new creation. Father God, come into this moment as we leave this place. We declare that there is victory only when we surrender to you. So Father God, when we open these elements, I pray that there will be a moment that we can invite you into and you will show yourself strong on behalf of your people. We wave the white flag of surrender and invite you into every area of our lives. Thank you, God, for grace. Thank you for being our portion and our strength. In Jesus' name, everyone said together, Amen. Thanks for listening to Liquid Church Media. If you were inspired or challenged by today's message, we hope you'll tell a friend. For more content, log on to liquidchurch.com or visit one of our campuses in the New Jersey metro area. Liquidchurch.com, where truth is relevant and grace wins.